Hey everyone, welcome to Reaction Shots for June. We're talking about Pride, LGBTQIA plus cinema. And I am joined by, of course, Michael Huber. Hello! Illustrious co-host and two special guests. Um, Mark, you want to go first? Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Um, I'm Mark Francis uh, in LA. I am an archivist, uh, film programmer, curator of Wayward Cinema. Um, a screen series that shows a lot of queer content. Um, I also am a professor, adjunct professor. I taught queer cinema classes. I will try to not use my scholarly uh, teacher voice during this. Please do. I want to yeah. hear it. <laughs> um, Teach and me, I Daddy. Think that pretty much covers it. So that's my story. Love it, Emily. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Emily. You may know me as Adequate Emily. I am a filmmaker. I haven't made much yet because I am a film student, but I am working on it. And a video essayist. You can find my videos uh, at the channel Adequate Emily. And I do video essays and film reviews there. And I did one, I was going to say recently, but it was six months ago. Quarantine has been taken a lot out of, <laughs> out of me in that sense. Uh, on uh, trans representation in the film The Danish Girl as part of my series Trans Women in Cinema. Great. I still nice. haven't watched The Danish Girl. <laughs> you don't, don't need to. Should. Okay, that was kind of my, <laughs> that's kind of what I assumed. It's not a <laughs> positive video. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but before we jump into the topic at hand, uh, real quick, just uh, we'll go around and say something or a couple of somethings that we've liked lately. Huber, you want to go and show them how it's done? Sure. Uh, Mayor of Easttown, best show of 2021. Very cool Straight show. Straight up. Good loved gay it. representation, too. Loved their daughter. Mm -hmm. So cool. Uh, love, love, love that show. Love Kate Winslet. And just shows that uh, Appointment TV, still not dead. <laughs> week to week. Yeah, baby. Love that buildup. Sure. Uh and then, actually, two nights ago, I watched my new favorite movie of 2021, Riders of Justice with Mads. Oh, I, have, I don't know if I've heard of this one. This, it's like $7 rental now. It came out in March, I think, on demand. So okay. it's, it's down to like seven bucks. You know I love Mads. It is so good. <laughs> it is a dark thriller comedy. So there's dark humor here. Uh, Mads loses someone close to him and forms a bond in unexpected places uh, with some some violence spruced in as well. Uh, I don't want to give too much away about this movie because it is just incredible. It made me writers of justice. It made me tear up numerous times. It made me laugh out loud numerous times. It made my jaw drop numerous times. Cannot stress enough, Riders of Justice, so, so good. 2020 is going to be the decade of Mads Mickelson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Every moment of my life <laughs> is all Mads all the time. He's so there. good. Yeah, it's... Uh, Absolutely uh, justified. <laughs> yeah. It's Danish, so his native language, so it's subtitles, uh, if that's a deal breaker for some. I know some people don't like to read subtitles. I know how to read. <laughs> yeah. So That's pretty much... And, uh, then some other stuff, but that's pretty much it. But I, I still need to see another round. I haven't watched that yet. Next Amazing. on my list. Amazing. Yeah. I it saw good? it as one of my favorite movies of last year. Sick. Uh, it, I watched it as part of a uh, Oscar 
sort of marathon I was doing. I was going to watch all the Best Picture movies, and then I had, like, work two days of that week, and I just was like, I can't watch eight movies in two days. Yeah. That might be a little too much. I got so through, like, I, six of them, I think. I just wasn't I watched interested, another round so I because I wanted to. Uh, Minari, uh, mm-hmm. Trial of Chicago 7, Mank, and Nomadland. Nice. And uh, another round might have uh, actually, no, Minari was my favorite of them, but another round was very close to Minari. They were both nice. excellent. And Trial of Chicago 7 was the weakest. <laughs> A friend of mine is friends with the woman who was the art director on Nomadland. Nice. So that's cool. Better um, than I thought it'd be. Very beautiful shot direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Uh, Emily, uh, anything else that you've liked lately? Uh, in the past week, uh, this might come to a sh- as a shock to some people. For the first time ever, I watched the entire Matrix trilogy. I have never seen the Matrix. I I know, like, especially as a, like a trans woman, but as a film buff in general, it's weird to have not seen the Matrix. It just wasn't on streaming services when I was getting really into film, yeah. and that was how I like understood most how to get like most films. So mm-hmm. it around the time it came on Netflix, I was in college. I was not watching as I was not watching what was coming on Netflix as much and more just whatever I could find at the library instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I watched for the first time. Uh, I specifically decided to watch the trilogy because I was part of a video. Uh, I was just a voice a- actress in the video, but I was part of a video that uh, two of my friends, Kirio and Sarah Zedek made uh, called the matrix sequels are good actually. <laughs> and I figured if I'm going to be in this video, I should at least probably see see it. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, and I watched them and I gotta say, yeah, the matrix sequels get way too much, way too much shit. Like I do not get what people would dislike about the matrix sequels. That isn't in the first one. Like Mm -hmm. if you're going to say it's too corny, the first one is completely cheesy and that's part of the fun. Like if you're going to say it's too metaphorical, the first one's full of philosophy. Like I, I, I thought they were a fun time. They're a little bit weaker than the first one, but they're still a great time. And it's as an interesting it's, as it's been revealed, very filled with a lot, filled with a lot of trans themes and a yeah. lot of queerness. I mean, inherently, the idea of escaping a world that you've been forced into a specific role does cer- <laughs> have certain queer vibes to it. Yeah, can relate. It's an interesting vibe to. Uh have not seen them and then watch all three in a row. Yeah, yeah. It probably is like a very different experience than because I think people didn't like two and three because there was so much pressure put on them because matrix one, like changed everything uh, at the time. The thing, and so like, yeah, it was wild. <laughs> someone also pointed out when the video came out in one of the replies on Twitter. And I thought it was an interesting point that a lot of people tried to put it up against Lord of the Rings and that oh. was kind of a difficult comparison because Lord of the Rings was constructed as a trilogy based on right. something written decades ago that you could already, like, if you wanted to change anything, people had already, like, kind of decided what they wanted to change. This was something That's that was a, being yeah. thought up on the fly. And Weird comparison. It's not even a trilogy, per se, because it's really just one one movie that was stretched out into two. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it really Matrix is a and part three. one and a part two. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, like the idea of my trilogy is better than yours doesn't exactly work because they're very <laughs> not one to one. Like Yeah. Who was your favorite character in the whole thing? 
Uh, I would... I mean, in terms of interest, like, I really love Agent Smith's arc. Like, it's very fun, fun. unique. Like, <laughs> the first one, it was just the idea of just, like, this contemptuous, like, I hate the fact that I have <laughs> to do this. And then, like, following up and having him become this agent of chaos once yes. he's released from it. That's such a unique character arc that you rarely see. And I also like Trinity a lot. Trinity's very interesting, uh, as pointed out in the review, in the video I was in. Very queer coded, which makes it very interesting to see her making out with Keanu Reeves because you just look at it and you're just like, are we sure this is what the character should be doing? I know, <laughs> Ke- I know, Neo, as argued in, in the video, is like kind of coded as a more like feminine lead character than most yeah, I was male gonna say, Keanu heroes. counts as like an honorary lesbian, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. But like, it was sort of a moment where I was still like, I still saw Keanu in the moment for there. And I was just kind of like, are we sure this is what this character should be doing? (laughs) But like, she's very interesting and fun. And anyone who says she's bitchy, I do not get you. Like, just (laughs) love Trinity. You can be interesting, fun and bitchy. Yeah, I've made my whole career on it. Well, most of the Frenchman was fun whenever he was on screen. The Frenchman was always fun. Oh, sure. The cake scene was weird, but it was fun. Programming (laughs) women to have orgasms from their cake or whatever? I couldn't Um, explain that scene. There's a philosophy there, but I just was like, you didn't need to represent it through cake. Chocolate's great (laughs) is the philosophy. Mark, what about you? Have you liked anything lately? Yeah, I mean, just to respond to these two, I I did like Mare Beast Town as well. Um... Though I don't think it's like a masterpiece. I think it's a very well done kind of suspense thriller, you know, miniseries. And then mm-hmm. I also um, recently watched a Wachowski, a film by the Wachowskis I've mean to watch for a while, Speed Racer. Hell um, yeah. Still need to watch Speed Racer. Hell yeah. Which is, which I love is it's getting amazing. a huge... I love it's getting this huge like revival in a lot of people's yes. Because for a while, I just heard it was like, oh, it's the worst Dude, movie. It's it was so the best. bad. It was yeah, the best. Saw it in IMAX like, day one. It's always <laughs> been good. Right the wrongs, internet. Have you seen Redline? <laughs> Have you seen the anime Redline? No. I need It's to. fucking sick. <laughs> it's okay, it's kind of like down. Speed Racer. It's like, it's just 90 minutes of like complete insanity. But the animation is incredible. Anyway, continue, Mark. So, no, so yeah, so and it's funny because um, there was a book that came out by um, this trans scholar named Kale Keegan on the Wachowskis and kind of reading their work. Um, it was in my Danish girl video. Oh, funny. I said oh, one nice. of his works, and I asked okay. him if he wanted to record the line. And he did it. <laughs> He's awesome, and the book is really fantastic. And it's again, it's like kind of rereading the Wachowskis, you know. Um, uh, corpus through kind of a trans lens. And so, of course, like, and the mark of a good scholar is like, oh, I don't really understand, like, you know, I'm watching Speed Racer and I'm like, how is this a trans narrative? And then I go to the book and I'm like, oh, that's how it is. So I'm not going to reveal um, it, but it's like, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm helping plug the book. Um, but I think um, it's a very uh, convincing reading of it uh, that's not mm. so um, clear cut or obvious. But I wanted, the, the, the thing I watched within the past few weeks that I loved. Um, is a super obscure Cuban film um, from um, basically right after the the revolution um, called Death of a Bureaucrat, which is um, a dark comedy about um, this guy whose uncle dies, and he his in, in order for his aunt to receive the uncle's pension, um, they need to prove that he worked. He had a, he has a labor card, but of course the uncle was buried with the labor card, 
Oh. But basically, they have to go jump through all these hoops, and he has to basically navigate this bureaucracy, which sounds really boring, but is actually made very funny and dry and and dark. Um, he's trying to get this card, and then he tries to you know unearth the, the 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 uncle, and he has to convince. Anyway, so it's it's all about navigating bureaucracy and kind of post revolution Cuba, and it's very very clever, and um, I would highly recommend it. As What's that one called? To watch. Um, Death of a Bureaucrat, and it's on. It's like on YouTube, I think, and with subtitles. So oh, cool! Yeah, and it's short. Um, it's almost. Is it like? It sounds almost like a little absurdist in a way. It's like approaching it the way you're describing it. I like that. Oh. I, I like that. I yeah. it, like. It makes me think of like. I haven't seen it, so I don't know that it's really off face with the way you're describing it. It sounds a bit like in that uh, Jacques Tati playtime sort of thing of like totally. this world that like is just unknowable to these characters yes yeah it's it's definitely i mean it's it's got surreal moments it's got almost like bunuel like surrealism with scenes like dreams that was yeah i was gonna mention but then it's also got like yeah these kind of long kind of like um slapstick uh scenes it's really kind of it's a really smart interesting film um that again i never heard of and, and but my partner works on um latin american cinema he's a scholar of latin american cinema so uh, he was like, you should watch this. This is one of the most important Cuban films ever made. And uh, I didn't regret it. Speaking of digging us. up a body, uh, my monthly requisite mention of Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. <laughs> Huber, you gotta watch it. I know, shit. It's great. I just want to finish Patriot. We gotta finish Patriot. I will not bail out. The greatest that. show with the worst title. I'm so in to finish. I will oh. keep reminding us things about it. to do it. Patriot is sick. Good show. Bad yeah. title, though. Terrible. I've heard it's it has Amazon. a good title sequence, too. Yeah, oh, my God. I love Patriot. Such a good show. Anyway, uh, oh, uh, my turn. I liked yeah. Loki. I just watched it. Um, and it was great. I liked the music a lot. Great music. And Tom Hiddleston dicking around is always fun. <laughs> uh, is this and the also, Marvel yes. show? What is this? Yeah, Loki with... with uh, and you like yeah. it? And, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Are they releasing it in batches or is it just one one dump? One one a week. <laughs> Appointment television Appointment is TV. not dead. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I also liked Mare of Easttown quite a bit. I I liked her character mm-hmm. and her development. Yeah. Um, and her daughter kind of more than the mystery, mm-hmm. but I'm fine with that. Like it, it's rough. It's hard. It seems really hard to make a good, satisfying mystery. Like. Of the of the prestige TV, I think maybe Sharp Objects did it the best uh, of recent years, and um, I liked The Undoing too. Oh wow! Uh, shit, I mean, I like HBO adult dramas Dude, as it happens. The, the Undoing. I like The Outsider. I like The Third Day. I'm like the only one. Oh no! <laughs> you didn't like The Third Day? Uh, you didn't like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. We'll get into it. <laughs> I'm going to slice your eyeballs. dare you? <laughs> I, I, I appreciate... is a goddess. Yeah. Something, like, impossible nowadays <laughs> for me is to, like, have real danger in television and film. Like, real, yeah. actual, a palpable threat and danger. And Mayor mm-hmm. of Easttown had it in space. Oh, for sure. I was worried about everyone. I think it's a masterpiece, truly. In today's TV, where everyone is pretty much invincible, or Mm -hmm. it's telegraphed, and you really expect it, like, Mare of Easttown. Mare of Easttown pulls no punches, and I love love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Well orchestrated, for sure. Well constructed. 
Mm-hmm. I just realized that she, like, I don't, I won't say specifically, but the litany of injuries that she, <laughs> that befall oh. Mare is so good. She's got like a different body part hurt in every episode. It's like amazing. She's banged up. She All gets banged up. up. <laughs> it's a metaphor. And, and I will say, you what's know, what's her I mom's grow- name? The actor. Oh, Gene oh, Smart is so yeah, good. From yeah. Logan. He's or so uh, not Logan. Um, Watchmen? Legion. Legion. Oh, Legion. And Watchmen. And Watchmen, yeah. yeah. I loved Legion. Everybody yeah, shut Legion's up. Amazing. I loved it. <laughs> no, Legion's great. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, should we talk about the topic? <laughs> yeah, <let's- laughs> anyway, all right, all right. Dive so, in. yeah. How this will... What? Dive in. Oh, yeah. I thought you said tell him. I was like, tell who what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we got 12 pages of madness here. Yeah, finish him. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we got a lot of comments. The way this will work is I'll read through the comments. I asked some prompts of our uh, patrons on patreon.com slash easy allies. Check it out. Tell your friends. Ha ha ha. We need money. Um, (laughs) And I'll read the comment and then we'll talk about it. And then I'll read another comment and then we'll talk about that. And then eventually the show will be done. How's that sound? It sounds like First, a good plan. It sounds, it's a great. It's a good structure. Do we have a say in this? Well thought out. <laughs> no, I, I don't know why I'm asking. I um, appreciate the prep. I, I appreciate all the yeah. prep. She just telegraphed it onto like yeah. one of those like flavor, like one of those white or dry erase yeah. boards yeah. you see in like. A Here's how it's gonna movie. go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the circles. You go over here. <laughs> Um, grab what I think is called the football and take it over there. Um, <laughs> all right, Spencer from Canada said, I loved this. This floored me. I saw Rent in English class in high school and absolutely loved it. Canada's playing it rough in high school. That's pretty wild, I think, for high school English class. Whatever. Oh, I love man. musicals, and this one is so powerful looking back. Rocky Horror Picture Show also has a special place in my heart because... My dad took my brother and I to a live Halloween viewing of it, which, if you don't know, is the best way to see it. Um, And then they bring up Schitt's Creek, which just oozes queerness all the time, but it's very just, like, normal and accepted and so well done. Uh, I loved Schitt's Creek for that. But anyway, three great pulls, Spencer from Canada. Any comments from Zipano? I adore Rent. My wife, it's one of her favorite things ever. Listens to it all the time. Throws the movie on when we're in bed sometimes to go to sleep. Oh, Absolutely okay. love Rent. 10 out of 10. Fucking to Rent or no, something? No, like, no, no, no. It's just... Question. Musical yeah. or or Broadway version or the, uh, or the movie Good question. Version? Good movie question. version. Just the movie version. Uh, it's so bad. way more shit. Nah. <laughs> like it, like it. Uh, I saw it. I saw the Pantages because my friend wanted to go. Oh man, yeah, there are she, parts of Ren I there's parts of Ren I like and parts of Ren yeah. I don't like. They cut <laughs> the best Chris song. Columbus. They cut the best song ever. It's in the deleted scenes though, so we we go there. We watch that deleted Which scenes. Which song? Uh, it's kind of a spoiler. It's near the very end of the movie. It's near the, the one v- with the angel or what? It's near the very, very end. You can spoil Rent. At the funeral. There's like, spoilers yeah, right. for Rent, damn it. <laughs> <You> <laughs> spoilers for this person rent? just watched it. 
People, right. people, no, they watched just, it in high school. Oh, okay. I missed English that part. English class. I missed that part. Well, I guess we they could be still in high school. I guess yeah. they could be still in high school. Yeah, people are discovering There was an air of the past time. about it. <laughs> what is this podcast? It's just us <laughs> screaming at each other about rent. Mark, talk about rent. Hey, if the Mark, you look like you're outfit and well. Mark, you have something to say about rent, it looks like. I can see it on your face. I don't have anything productive to say about rent movie. <laughs> but I, That's what I, I thought. say that those are just such strange choices. I mean, just this person has very interesting tastes. Like I, I, I see obviously the musical. I that kind of Rocky I love it. Show, but it's just like, anyway, and then Schitt's Creek is really somewhere else. It's just, it's interesting. I don't know. It's, it's a, this person is intriguing to me. They like the, it's the it's the holy trinity of queer representation, no, right? Like no. pure pure camp. But they pure do camp. They're in different. Yeah. Pure, like, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's it's, it's pure and straight acting. Yeah, pure <laughs> camp, Hollywoodized, uh, you know, whatever mainstreamized queerness, uh, capitalism, and then just fully accepted, normal, normalized everything. Wonderful Shit's Creek. <laughs> movie um, is a great this is a great topic but, but I haven't seen any of these oh really oh wow <laughs> but I, I you gotta should, see Rocky Horror yeah and I I, I, I should yeah and I want to and I am going to be curious to to. I'm wondering how much Rocky Horror is going to pop up on these lists a lot and, and that's interesting it too. is very Rocky important Rocky Horror for certain generations feels even though it's I think it's an incredibly queer text and has a lot of queer kind of possibility to it subversive yeah. possibility to it um I think a lot of there there are certain generations who think of it actually as a quite straight text because of its following the kind of midnight mm. crowd the midnight screening crowd is tend to be more straight um even though they were dressing up and stuff it was like this escape to be to kind of defy gender norms and stuff but then they would go back to their kind of like heteronormative comfort huh. and so it's like a, it's like a free pass like halloween kind of kind of and so it's interesting exactly <laughs> should there be queer for one night yeah kind of re- release valve or relief whatever you call that safe whatever and so i think i think uh so i anyways i'll be curious to hear how much that pops on the list because i think yeah it's it's depends on who you talk to if it's actually a queer text let's count them <laughs> that's one we'll, <laughs> yeah. keep, we'll keep count and we'll keep count of bro- broke back too Yes. I think it's really interesting because, like, I think the way what you're describing also, I would say that, like, with Rocky Horror, it's such an important, like, queer text in a way in terms of what it was, how influential it was on the community at the time, that it can often be a thing where a lot of people can look back at it and much more see its flaws in hindsight now that we know more about Mm -hmm. the community, where maybe a song about a transvestite killer is maybe not as cool as it was transgressive at the time when that's an actual thing like myth that people have around like trans people now do i think that's the fall of the film obviously not they can't predict the future but i can see how more people could be like i can't get into this now because they can because something that was transgressive at the time seems more dated now right perspective well and it's a it's a trope that didn't really come up in this, but we can mention it. Like, yeah, the trans killer, like your Silence of the Lambs, your sleepaway camp, your dressed to kill. Yeah, like it's it's a it's pervasive. And then you've got stuff like I hate sleepaway the, camp. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And you've got stuff like Ace Ventura or Crying Game, where it's like, ooh, big twist, like transphobia. 
whatever. Crying game I haven't seen, and it seems like it skirts the line, sort of. But, like, maybe it was, like, trying to do it right, but... The thing I've heard about Crying Game is that the twist happens midway through the movie instead of the end, like Ace Ventura. So you get to see her being a character for the rest of the movie, and the plot still progresses. So Hmm. instead, it's more human, while as with Ace Ventura, it's just a reference to the Crying Game that they use as a punchline at the end. Yeah, they play the song and everything. It does not mean that the crying game is perfect at it from what I've heard. I haven't seen it myself, uh, partially because that does not sound like a fun way to spend my night sometimes. Uh, yeah. To be like, let's look at something that objectively views me in a way that's disgusting. It doesn't right. sound like the yeah, most I've seen fun the scene of the. <laughs> I've seen the scene of, of the guy like seeing her genitals and like puking or whatever. And I'm just like, mm, all right. <laughs> Don't but need like, that. I've at least heard that it is at least more of a character than mm-hmm. a like it, in the film she's not a villain from what i understand she's just a, an accomplice and he's been sure it's straight up like she is a villain she yeah. is doing this to get away with something and she is like inherently tricking people and that's part of the transition and not not great not 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 the best I know, shocking yeah. take, Ace Ventura aged poorly. I know, no one's yeah. ever made that comment before. Ace Ventura 2 <laughs> has some funny moments, though. That rhino gets pretty hot in those rhinos, you know? I um, did not realize it was the second one. I assumed that was the first one. <laughs> no, the first one's the... The first one doesn't exist, and the second one's kind of funny. Um, Jesper Pamphil Dufay... Sorry if I got that wrong. It's been a long time since I saw it, but I remember really liking Boys Don't Cry, though it was tough to watch. I haven't seen that one either. I, I remember I'm learning. It. <laughs> I'm learning a, something about myself that I tend, tended to avoid trans stories where the character was having difficult times. I think my subconscious was protecting me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I Boys Don't Cry is interesting because, like, at the time when I watched it, I thought it was good but flawed. But mm-hmm. also, I was 15, I had just realized I was trans, and I was way ready to let a lot of stuff slide. Because I was sure. 15 years old, and I was in that phase of my life where I'm like, I'm not like those other people, I'm not so easily offended, I'm an edgy teen. <laughs> um, because that was apparently just what teenagers did in the 2010s on the internet. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> I think I was probably my but most easily I, offended I as an edgy teen. I'm in I, the same boat as that commenter. I saw it so long ago and I remember loving it, but it's been too long. I can't even I can't even remember a scene I, in the movie. It's been so long. What I do remember is there is a scene in it where they kind of imply that Brandon is like, oh, maybe he's just a lesbian. And I'm just like, mm. that's not the thing is is that it's hard for me to comment on how it is as representation because while i am trans i'm not trans mask right and as such i i can sort of listen to the community on it to understand what's poor representation but it's harder for me to know what's accurate because Mm -hmm. i don't know from my own personal experiences it's much more easy when you're in a community and you've experienced it yourself to bounce off from other people and know how they feel about something and know within yourself. Uh, but the thing is that like the trans feminine and trans masculine communities while connected by that trans issue are different in a way in their experiences. 
And so yeah. it's hard for me to summarize it. But from what I understand, there's a very mixed feeling in the trans mass community because a lot of people, like, it was a discovery for them and it was important for them, but also it's not aged well. And you never know. You, you never know with the movie like that. I couldn't, I couldn't say definitively on it. And immediately that's why my series is called Trans Women in Cinema because I right. don't have the authority to talk on anything uh, except for trans women. And I know movies the best. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into it, Lily. Okay, not so not. Okay, so not to be a hack right away, but Portrait of a Lady on Fire is my current favorite quil- queer film. <laughs> For the way it evokes that uniquely sapphic experience of desire, power, and perception through its image, uh, film language, among other storytelling devices, the movie just looks like how falling in love with. Uh, for another girl feels tying into that i think that it's the most powerful about queer cinema oh wait that's for a different thing okay yes go round one (laughs) (laughs) did we how much did we talk about this in the folk horror one i don't want to repeat i think i just screamed at you and then said i don't want to talk about it (laughs) well because the reason was because i felt i couldn't really go to bat for it because nobody knew that I was a lesbian <laughs> yet. <laughs> but now, bitch. <laughs> oh, it's on. Yeah, now it's on. <laughs> uh, I love Skiama's films. I think Girlhood and Tomboy. I've been wrong for like three years. <laughs> Celine Skiama, yeah. It's okay. Uh, I think those films are masterpieces. Um, and so I was happy that she got attention with this film or with, with a film or such attention. Um, I think this film is incredibly pretentious. It is, it is, look how beautiful these shots are. Look how, look how, aren't you just falling in love with these women falling in love with each other? And I wasn't. Um, I was distracted by how much it really wanted me to, 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 to feel things. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think it's too in love with itself. And I think... You know, to talk about um, a film that uh, is super problematic, but that I actually did find myself fall in love, is um, Blue is Warmest Color. Really? You know? Absolutely. Are you going to disagree with that one? Super problematic, <laughs> but but in a film that really just... I actually have the same critique for Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah, really I haven't watched it yet. Carries you with it. So, so yeah, so I'm not, I'm not interested in Portrait of a, uh, of a Lady on Fire, um, as much as I'm interested in her other films, let me just leave it there. Sure. Girlhood yeah, is a very enough. good film. I will argue that one because that is the other Skiama film that I am in. I have seen and fell in love with, and it's a beautiful film. Yeah, I haven't watched Blues the Warmest Color because of the like consent stuff that I, I've heard. Like maybe wasn't really there, so I kind of didn't want to watch it. But uh, yeah, just for me, like I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire had like. I, I really liked the the pacing and the like I liked how thoughtful the shots are and like the dynamics of power and stuff that she used through and like who's the observer and being observed and stuff like that and how she like shifts it. I just thought that was really interesting throughout. I love um, that about you. Uh, that's something that I can't ever get that you get, I feel like is the way the shots tell part of the story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh. For me, with shots, I'm usually just like, 
yo, that looks sick, or like, yo, that made me <laughs> like in it more, feel it more. Um, taking it to that next level of like th- like power dynamics and like that. One like, could argue that cool, you're, cool. you're probably enjoying the film at, maybe as it's intended for a general Characters audience. for me. Characters in the moment and the emotions. Yes. but Well, uh, I would say that you're, 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 also you are <laughs> absorbing the, the you're absorbing the, the meanings of those shots without just having to talk about We're it like an asshole on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I may be able to describe what a dolly is, but you can at least, like, you you know, <laughs> me saying the word dolly is not communicate the coolness of a dolly or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The emotional statement will resonate with more people, even if I know the technical terms that will make other film nerds like me swoon. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I think thing about... I'm sorry. Just because I because I think of the the pretentiousness that Mark said, and I got that big time with Legion. I feel like Legion loves itself. Legion absolutely loves itself. And it's just like <laughs> I couldn't ever get into it because I just kept getting the vibe of that. Like Mark was saying, of just like it loves itself. All these shots, just like look at my shots. Look at this. So I guess for me, pretension is something that like an an, an anecdotal example of my acceptance of pretension. I once, as, as a teen, I rented Cachet <laughs> on DVD oh, by Michael Haneke, which is like one of my favorite movies Haneke. of all time. Yeah, he's great. But like, I, for some reason, I, I don't know if it was like put before the movie or something, but there was an interview with him that I watched for whatever reason before watching the film. And I was like, wow, this guy's a pretentious piece of shit. <laughs> and then I watched the movie and then I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. He earned it. Like he can, he can be pretentious. Like I, that Embrace movie is amazing. the pretentiousness. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'm okay yeah. with pretension when it's earned, and I think that Celine has earned it in I my like estimation. But I love that. I also would yeah. argue that I think the shots are less. For me personally, I didn't feel like they were in love with themselves. I thought there was a lot of utility in them. Uh, mm-hmm. She uses a lot of open spaces, uh, like. For me, like, if I believe she was just trying to capture, like, beautiful, like, landscapes and stuff, she would have set all of it at the beach. But mm-hmm. she sets a lot of it indoors, and a lot of it is based on the spacing between the characters, how they move, what's in focus. And that adds a lot more uh, to it in terms of, like, in my opinion, more purposefulness in how it's telling its story. It Specifically, like, I can see a shot with just... Uh, just, I don't, I don't remember the character's name uh, because I'm bad at everything related to French. I, I failed my French teacher in high school, um, <laughs> currently on this podcast. Um, but, uh, like, I don't uh, remember their I don't names even know either, the actress's so. name off the top of my head. Uh, the brown haired woman, like, she can just be in a shot. Yeah, the painter, and you can just look into her eyes. The acting is communicating a lot, but it's. It, I think there's something about the fact that the shot can be so simple. And I think there's something in that that is less in love with itself and more uh, like utilitarian in how it's portraying the narrative. I think it serves a narrative purpose in a way. Uh, I can see in a way how someone could see it as, as full of itself. But for me personally, it felt so honest in a way. It felt like Skian was speaking from experience and it was something that came from a place like watching there was a lot of care taken into describing a 
like describing a world uh, that yeah. she has lived in. Yeah. You were you were like freezing there for a second, Emily. It was like you're, there was we're the audio like, was oh, catching up. Okay, it was like slow robot. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> no, you're doing great. Screw you, Xfinity. I will make yeah. it. Yeah. I love. Well, that didn't turn into a shit fight like I was hoping, but I think we're all just too reasonable and 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 we're all good scholars, so we won't get mad at each other for having different opinions. Um, all right, Carl Williams is here. Uh, unless Mark, you had a retort or anything but i can go to car okay no, I, don't, I, I guess the worst thing i can say is i don't care enough about the movie to have a retort <laughs> wow you're cutting me deep again that's fine it's fine ready to find out something i really love or i really hate i love I really, that though i love I that really, though because too many people nowadays hate on things they don't care about yeah right all on the internet it's and just like yo yeah, it's just like leave gay it. people. <laughs> that's the thing leave I love alone. about like film criticism that I don't think a lot of people understand. It's not about having the right opinion; it's about explaining your opinion well. Yeah, sure. yeah. and yeah. I've read tons of great reviews that I disagree with completely, but they argued well. Like, yeah, yeah. I've read defenses of the Star Wars prequels. I still don't like them, but I get why they are. <laughs> I, I I read their argument and I went, "You described it well, and you had great prose." Nice. I think a lot of people to... try to win an argument with film opinions oh yeah, it's all subjectivity yeah. like that's the whole internet is trying to win arguments <laughs> yeah. everybody's just trying to win a, to to to, to Trust borrow me, a phrase yeah to borrow a phrase from mr sunday movies at me. oh my god <laughs> to borrow a phrase from mr sunday movies like you listening at home whatever your opinion is we agree <laughs> <laughs> you um, are correct good. on everything you are correct that's, good. that's um, so good carl williams comes in with a list here uh, Brokeback Mountain, A Fantastic Woman, which I still need to see. Call Me By Your so Name, good. which I still need to see. Moonlight, so <laughs> which I love. Uh, I thought they were all fantastic. I feel an, a few others worth mentioning are The Handmaiden, which I love. The Crying Game, Carol, which I love. And Disobedience, which I need to see. Just oh, to name a few at the time Not enough people saw Disobedience. I loved it. I love a good period lesbian drama as you can imagine i didn't see what? amaranth or whatever i haven't seen that uh, amaranth uh, i will say disobedience was amaranth. i believe was not uh unless the period was like 2005 and that would be the difference it was like a modern day one if like it ain't day. now it's a period i say <laughs> i don't if it doesn't do say it. present day or today at the very beginning of the movie it's you a have to see a newspaper that says 2021 on <laughs> yeah it. yeah <laughs> i um but yeah, that was interesting because that was the follow-up to a fantastic woman from uh, Seba- director Sebastian. Oh, Mayer. really? Yeah, it was that, and uh, then he made a remake of his film Gloria as Gloria Bell, which was starring Juliet, uh, Julianne Moore. I almost said Juliet Binoche. Different, different famous actress. Pretty different. <laughs> uh, Both great, though. <laughs> have you seen The Clouds of Sils Maria? anyone i have i wasn't a fan of it at the time but i'm much more familiar with olivier assayas now that i might appreciate it more i've always loved juliette binoche i will say like and she uh for me it was more the idea of the film that i it's a very it's a very like pondering it's a very french film i'll put it that way like i I love a lot of French cinema, but this is stereotypically French. And the fact that it's a movie about making movies, but also not having a direct storyline, just people talking about what it means to yeah. be an actor. And I liked it. <laughs> I, I, I can, I, I will say it seemed a lot more interesting to me than the follow-up nonfiction, which I watched in a film festival. It was 
thought was basically just a podcast for two hours that was shot and filmed. Huh. But I, I've learned to really love Olivier Assayas since I've seen more of his stuff. He like also, Cold he Water did, and Irma Vap are great. Didn't he also do a Personal Shopper? He did Personal Shopper. I didn't get to yeah. see oh, Personal Shopper. Oh, it's the Shopper. same... Oh, that's yeah, the I forgot same director? In between. Yeah. With, uh, what's her name? Um, Kristen Stewart. Uh, Stewart. Kristen Stewart, who's also in Clouds of Silsa Maria. Well, that's what's funny is I got together with a friend of mine, well, over the internet, because it was during the pandemic, to watch what we thought was Personal Shopper, but it turned out we were thinking of Clouds of Silsa Maria. <laughs> so we watched that instead. <laughs> but I need to watch Personal Shopper, too. Anyway, um... Oh, yeah, yeah I really want to see a fantastic director. one. Well, I just wanted to bring it back to the queer stuff because I think yeah. Stewart needs to really be like her kind of queerness needs to be rethought. Um, because I, I just rethought? What do you mean? I don't know. I just feel like she doesn't get enough. She get, doesn't get framed as a queer or queer presence on screen. I mean, oh, rethought like, by people. I thought you meant by yeah, her. I think that I was she's like, very what? authentic in person, but she's no. not as much in the in the films that yeah. she's written. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, I want to rewatch the runaways and I just, I just want us to like, and I, like twilight, fuck that. But like, I just, I guess I just want to like, I want us as a, as a culture to rethink. Yeah. Well, she was recently, got his moments. Why can't Christian Stewart? <laughs> she was recently in that. Um, oh Lord. What was it called? It wasn't very good, but it, it was sort of the charming in that it wasn't very good. Yeah. The, the holiday one, I heard which I watched. Dan, Dan Levy was also in that one. Yeah, Dan Levy uh, was Speaking of Schitt's Creek. Like, yeah. yeah. But uh, it wasn't very good, it, and it had some problems, but also, like, it was kind of nice that it was just, like, a shitty holiday movie, but with a lesbian couple, because it was, like, they pumped these I out for get... straight people. <laughs> it's like, yay! We just I, That's one. why I kind of get why people, like, fell over themselves for Love, Simon, even though I thought it was bland, because I'm like... Yeah, I, I get it. I get it I because they were it. like, it, I get how a bunch of queer teenagers could be like, oh, it's like the straight thing, but for me, even though I think that the queer character is not written very well. Has anybody... Very... Sorry to cut you off. Right. Have you, have, have you seen, has anyone seen Beauty and the Baker? No. Ah, that sounds familiar. It got though. canceled after that? one season straight away, but like, there's a dedicated fan base that wants it to be picked up so bad it like went to Netflix and had this <laughs> this like second revitalization. Anyway, there's their daughter, the family's daughter, it like is gay in it, and she's adorable. And like she has this one line where she just like comes home, and the mom is like giving her shit, and she's just like, "You wonder why I have self esteem issues?" And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> just the oh my god, such a good character. And uh, I forgot to bring that up. That's what I'm watching currently. Uh, I'm glad there are sitcoms now that so portray queer people in a way that isn't a joke. Yeah, because that yeah. was literally all that I had as a kid. I watched tons of How I Met Your Mother. That shit fucked me up because oh, that was just that. there was a trans joke every other episode. Mm. T That's kind of like Friends has Friends. Friends, Friends has like bad at it too. Friends, gay panic yeah, or yeah, or, or of, like a lot of that. For the longest like time, Seinfeld every was the gold standard for sitcoms and queer representation because they just said, I don't care. And that was somehow a gold standard because every yeah. other show wanted to make a joke out of it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That I remember yeah. that. that was the, yeah, not that there's, not anything, that there's anything wrong, wrong with that. that yeah. became like the best queer yes. representation for a lot of mainstream sitcoms That's outside awesome. of like something like Will and Grace or Modern Family because people were like, well, I don't expect this any better. 
And it's like, we kind of deserve to have a character that isn't a joke because we wouldn't accept that with anything else. Well, that's why I loved Mare of Easttown so much because it was just like, her daughter was just, yeah, she was just gay and that's yep. just how it was. And yeah. it was never, it wasn't a plot point really. Like it wasn't every anything. It was just like, that's just how it is. And it was just awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly that's what I loved. Mm-hmm. Right. I just, that's what I love to see is just like, Totally. Just being people. Anyway, we're four comments in and 45 minutes in. <laughs> we're doing This is what right. happens when awesome. you bring me on. I ruin everything. <laughs> You're not ruining anything. No. This is fantastic. No. Yep. Um, but yeah, shout out to The Handmaiden. I really loved that movie. Oh, Handmaiden's beautiful. I love Park Chan-wook's filmography. Yeah. It's oh, beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. And Handmaiden, one of the things I love about The Handmaiden, I'm sorry, I'm going to drag us off corpse for like one or two more minutes. If it's about there The Handmaiden, is, it's fine. The thing about the handmaid that's really interesting is that he, instead of filming the uh, sex scenes between the two lesbian characters by himself, he just would be like, he would just leave it to the female crew members and be like, you direct this. I don't think us, the male crew members should be in the scene. This is a personal scene between two women. Oh. We have no control over this. And he would that's just fantastic. he would just let other people control it. And she, he would let the actors take control of the scene. And that's kind of really cool and unique for a director to do and i really respect that, is that especially coming from someone like park chan who is like a veteran of the scene who's very respected in a lot of korean cinema circles to just awesome. be like instead of being full of himself and like being like i am the director i make the decisions That's just so kind cool. of being like i don't know everything I'm going to listen to these other people and, in fact, let them take control of the scene. I think that's very shout cool. Out to, yeah. Shout out to Mad Max Fury Road for similar reasons. Like He was like, hey, this is a u- uniquely, like, intrinsically feminist story, so I'm going to like make sure we're doing this right and like consult. <laughs> Which that's I the thing. So many movies would be solved if they just fucking talk to a queer person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, just consult. <laughs> My, my, we should start a company where we just consult on... That, my wife brings stuff. it up all the time. She reads... She's always reading. Always reading a book. Reads, reads, reads. reads finishes a book a day. Like, honestly. And her number one complaint always is, like, the way men write for write women and POV mm-hmm. and just, like, in the woman's head. She gets her. Gets her. She's Has so she read mad. a book? I'm reading her a book right now called The 13th Tale. Has she read that? She'd probably like it. It's really good. Anyway, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Carol's also <laughs> cute. Um, Brittany Fuller says, uh, might be cliche, but Rocky Horror Picture Show 2 uh, had a huge impact on me finding my sexuality growing up. I vividly remember the first time seeing it on MTV for Halloween Eve when I was 11. It was hugely impactful in exposing me to different concepts uh, and opening a door to the idea of people being transgender. Oh, wait, I think I skipped a line. Whatever, no time. I, f- I fell in love with the movie that night, and it became formative to my relationship with gender and sexuality. Um, yeah, fun movie. I saw it when I was like an uptight little Christian kid, um, commenting on myself, not Christianity on the whole, by the way. But like, uh, I think I was too early. I was too. Young. I was like seven, and I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> it's like this isn't allowed. Um, I yeah. <laughs> I used to have like experiences like that with like re- I never I, obviously like I was like a kid I couldn't I didn't watch Rocky Horror uh, my family is boring uh, <laughs> I'm kidding they'll probably listen to this um, <laughs> but hi Emily's family <laughs> but like 
I obviously, like, as a five-year-old, did not watch Rocky Horror Picture Show at that time. But I remember watching stuff where, like, characters would, like, switch bodies or something like that. And I remember that being a transformative moment for me in a sense of, like, man, I wish I could do that. Oh, well, I won't investigate this for, like, seven more years of my life. (laughs) Yo, same core. I recently rewatched, you know, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. (laughs) And, like... Knowing what I know now, being like, oh, there are a lot of other reasons why I loved this movie as a kid. Like, <laughs> it's like, uh. One of the best ideas I read was someone online had made, uh, like, a post about, like, the idea of, like, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, the idea of a Slayer, like, you know, it's supposed to be this woman or something. The idea of it being a trans woman who doesn't know they're trans yet or isn't out yet. Whoa. So, like, the idea of it picked like that and i was like that's a really good idea that sadly is never going to get made <laughs> or it could Hollywood be made by someone someone with better someone better maybe True. um similar yeah. i i love one of my favorite i mean Almaldovar is so good but like and comes up a couple of times in here but uh oh, yeah. i just love the skin i live in Me so too. much i fucking love that movie too. you like it too mark yes yeah okay we could be friends again <laughs> <laughs> I need to see it. I actually haven't seen any Amaldovar. I need to. I know he's extremely important. And I know that. I just. It's It's hard to get. (laughs) It's sometimes hard to get. Keep track of some. Like, get a hold of, like, some foreign language director's film. They just added a bunch to the Criterion channel. A whole bunch of them. Or, no, wait. HBO, maybe? They're all just added to, like, a bunch of. Or to one of them. HBO Max Turner Classic section. Legit. Don't skip Um, it. Yeah, and uh, I, I used to watch it. TCM all the time. <laughs> I mean, there's so much. I mean, in terms of Amadovar, you could really talk about any of his films because they're all queer. Um, oh yeah, intrinsically. So, so queer. Intrinsically. Um, One of my favorite things he did. Oh yeah, sorry. What's that? Go ahead, Mark. What do you say? The skin I live in is is interesting because it's a lot of people say it's just one of his worst films. Um, and Which one? The skin I live in. Oh, yeah. I know it's not really well regarded, but... but I found it so thrilling, and I love the style of it, and um, and I think also if you've seen Franju's, um Eyes Without a Face, then mm. it really increases your appreciation for it, because it's... it's oh, I need to see that. ...a kind of trans remake twist on oh. Eyes Without a Face, so... I've never seen Eyes Without a Face, but I love Holy yeah. Motors, which also pulls from that. Holy Motors. Yeah, Holy Motors. Totally. I need to watch Holy Motors. I'm really excited oh, Holy Motors new... is dank. Yeah, Holy stoked Motors. for Annette. My my girlfriend is super excited for Annette, but having seen Holy Motors and knowing, like... Like, she doesn't always go in for, like, super weird artsy stuff or musicals, so she's, like, super stoked for Annette because she likes Adam Driver. And I'm just, like, worried that it's going to be, like, super, like, weird art, like, madness. Anyway. I think it's, I think the funny thing about Annette is, it's completely off topic, but I want to mention it before I forget it, is the idea, I remember there was that thing I did where Edgar Wright tweeted out, like, I just saw this movie that's, like, one of the most anticipated movies here, and everyone's like, it's Dune, it's Dune, and then I got revealed it was Annette. And everyone was like, oh, I'm disappointed. I'm like, I don't care. I love both of those. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm stoked for that. Like, he was like, it lives up to the hype. I'm like, that's high praise. I'll take it. (laughs) Um, Brent Klaus brings up Call Me By Your Name, the film, not not, uh, Montero by Lil Nas. 
X. Both, both uh, I enjoy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like, I I like Montero. I haven't seen Call Me By Your Name. By Your Name recently. Oh, nice. It Is was, it uh, good? By great creator, uh, it's by a great creator by name of Willow Sebastian. Uh, ju- I, I have to plug that, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I enjoy it. It's a very weird movie for a lot of people because it has a weird age gap in the fact mm. that it stars Timothy Chalamet as a 17-year-old and Army Hammer as a 25, 26-year-old. So a lot I forgot of people it was Army like, Hammer. Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah. The Army Hammer stuff definitely tainted it in a different light, but even before that happened, people were kind of weird about it. And I don't know. For me personally, like I I get that feeling. I, I always view the film as like a thing about like an imperfect relationship in a way. Like I think it's about the idea of coming to your own realization. That's such as more mm-hmm. about uh, Timothy Chalamet's character Elio's perspective rather than like making the most appropriate choice at the time. It fits with the theme in a way of like him thinking that he's more mature than he really is. And even though I might say there's a better way to do that, I don't think it takes away from the emotional impact it had on me because I think it portrays the idea of coming to realize you're queer in a subtle way. Uh, it also helps that Luca Guadagnino, the director, and uh, the writer James Ivory are both uh, openly queer. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Ivory, of course, being part of Ivory Merchant Productions, which made uh, Morris as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it's just so interesting to me to, and for me when I watched it, because it reminded me, even though I'm not, I I'm not male. Like I thought I was for a while, and it had that similar thought of guilt of like. I can't, it doesn't do it directly, but there's a feeling in it of like, I can't be this. Can I, can I, Mm -hmm. in that moment of like, fuck, I am, aren't I? (sighs) I really am. And I think it really portrays that well. And as again, like, I think that comes from the fact that like, it is being made by two queer artists and it takes away a lot of the stuff from the book that wasn't made from uh, by a queer artist. So that improved it. (laughs) Oh, nice. Maybe I should see it. I love coming by your name, um, and I have I have no problem with the kind of intergenerational aspect of it. I think we live in a culture that's really like just hyper obsessed with um, age and and those dynamics there, um, and people are really quick to be like creeped out by a younger person, older person. But I, I I think that there's a lot of filmic examples of it, and I think anyway. But I I love calling by your name. But I what I love about calling by your name is not necessarily necessarily intergen- the intergenerational aspect of it, as much as it's so awkward. Um, throughout most of the movie, their recording is not romantic in any traditional sense of the term. The peach it's, scene. The peach scene is the best example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the whole. I mean, it's just so cum. I think they don't get along for mo- for a lot of the film, and then suddenly there's like a like a oh wait, like this tension actually can be metabolized into something that's more ev- uh, something something erotic, you know? And so, and I think actually the intergenerational does play into that too. Um, but yeah, I think that. Uh, so I love that the film takes this kind of um, chance by showing a kind of romance that is just like, that is not so sweet and romantic, but then turns into something that's very beautiful and then heartbreaking in the end too, I won't say. Sorry, I already spoiled it a little bit, but yeah. I mean, I, it's a gay movie, so there's like a 90% shot that it's gonna be sad at the end. That's also that's why That's why I waited to watch, <laughs> that's why I waited so long to watch Moonlight, cause I was like, I just can't handle if this is sad. 
you know and then oh, that was spoilers it kind of isn't too. and i was like oh this is amazing it's both the set the yeah. is incredibly sad but also incredibly like right and and right just to, to end a, to end a, a film about uh you know black black men um just in recently bought it Oh, oh, nice. About black men just embracing, not even having, not eroticizing black bodies, but just letting right. them actually be, um, have an affection towards each other. And, and to show that kind of um, softness is, I think, actually quite revolutionary um, in mainstream representation of black masculinity. Absolutely. I, I can't I think loved, of like an earlier one. I loved yeah. It. Besides like something um, like Tongues Untied, but like that, that was not mainstream cinemas. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to probably just like pull the names that people mention uh, just for sake of time for a little bit here. Uh, Happy Gaming mentions the birdcage, which I love so much of the birdcage, but also the birdcage is a fucking train wreck in so many other ways. Cause like the sun is garbage. Like he sucks, but like Robin Williams and Nathan Lane just like are so charming and funny that it, kind of makes it i i watched i've seen the original uh la cage fou in which i i don't remember if the sun is like quite as overtly shitty in that but like ugh, emancipate that child kick him to the curb <laughs> anyway birdcage wait emmanuel lubezki did the cinematography on the birdcage i didn't know that i don't know that either um, i knew it was elaine may and mike nichols i didn't know that <laughs> Tyler Travis brings up Hedwig and the Angry Inch, mm. which is a pretty good one. Yeah. I, I still um, need to see it. I've heard weird things about Hedwig and the fact that some people think it's very empowering and some people think it's a little bit like in the sense of like, I don't want to use the word torture porn, because, but like in the sense of like trans misery on the front stage. And I, I, I haven't seen e- I haven't seen it, so I can't argue for either. It's been but a few I've years since I've seen it. About. I mean, the the angry inch is a reference to, like, a kind of a botched yeah. bottom surgery, um, which I find a scary idea, but, like, is not Absolutely. really something that is likely to happen yeah. if you're going to a reputable yeah. <laughs> surgeon. But, like, yeah. It's a, it's a weird film. I have a hard time thinking about it as actually, like, a trans film because it's about someone who's – it's a, a compulsory – gender reassignment that um yeah as you said goes wrong um and i think and i won't say at the i won't say ultimately what happens but i think the film is in the the last you know last 20 minutes or so you start to realize like oh this is much more kind of more conceptually or theoretically interested in in gender rather than actually thinking about like what is this story of this person who had to go through this thing and what and what are the ways in which how are they coming out of it or how are they coming to a kind of self-realization or kind of self-acceptance the film doesn't quite know what to do with that um, dilemma at the end. Hmm. It, it, the way you're describing it reminds me a bit of uh, the plot of uh, is it a year with thirteen moons? Is that what the title is? Yeah, uh, the Rainer Burner Fastbinder mm-hmm. film. Yeah, because I I've heard a lot of people and I've talked to a lot of trans critics about it because I haven't I need to dive more into Fastbinder, but it was something where like I was studying it late his filmography late at night and I was like it's two a.m. I can't watch this right now. Yeah, but <laughs> I. I asked a, a couple of my uh, trans critic friends about it, and their response is basically like, "It's a 
as with a lot of Fastbinder films, it's very powerful, it's very emotionally provocative, and it clearly comes from a place of his own queer experiences. But it's also not the best trans representation because it's clearly using it as an outlet for his own misery and the fact of like how his queer life was not going well. I believe this was in response to his partner passing away. And as a result, like you can, their, their response is like, it's a beautiful film that clearly represents that, but also in a sense, it is also using trans bodies as a metaphor for that as a, right. a, and a carrier for right. that. And that right. makes it a overall weaker representation of a trans woman yes. and maybe not the best example of that and also made me a little confused when Criterion Channel chose that as one of the four films to highlight on Twitter for Pride Month. <laughs> um, Megan Linart has um, a couple of anime films, Twittering Birds Never Fly, The Clouds Gather, first in a trilogy of films that center around an attractive Yakuza boss named Yashihiro who has dealt with a very traumatic past that caused him to spiral into the dark world of the Yakuza as well as using a sex addiction to cope with his past. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it sounds cool. And then uh, Given is a BL anime, which stands for Boys Love, uh, as well a uh, film that follows a group of four students in an amateur rock band and the dual romantic relationships that form among them. Oh, cute. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um... Maddie Parker brings up Debs, or D-E-B-S, which is a delightful and campy movie um, that has homages to, like, Get Smart and Batman 66, which sounds pretty magnificent. It's about a sorority of young spies trained by the government to handle super-secret missions led by Michael Clark Duncan and Holland Taylor. <laughs> I was going to say, I open Letterboxd and I see Michael Clark Duncan, and I'm like, I'm sold already. Yeah. <laughs> You so say that, queer uh, and Michael Clark Duncan in mid two thousands aesthetic, and I was like, into this. EBS <laughs> sounds sounds wild. Aspo Zapruder uh, brings up Maurice, which uh, you guys talked about, Merchant and Ivory. Uh, although the tabooness of homosexuality plays a big part in the plot, it's ultimately a romance film complete with a rare, untragic ending. And then uh, they mentioned my pri- my own private Idaho. Um, and watch parting glances. Parting yeah, I haven't seen my own. Fantastic. Yeah, parting glances is good. I haven't seen that one. Yes, one of the first films, independent films, to address HIV/AIDS. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. They also brought up Jeffrey uh, by Paul Rudnick. Jeffrey's great. Who wrote Adam's Family Values, which is a uh, Patrick Stewart movie and a uh, funny movie, but about AIDS as well. Yeah, yeah, those are good films. Cool. I gotta add those to my list. Um, Zach Wojnar thought that Love Simon was a ten out of ten, jolly, sweet, romantic comedy. Uh, <laughs> but we already kind of talked about Love Simon. Uh, Would you kindly says Lawrence Anyways? I think is the name of the film. Oh, or maybe yeah. Lawrence, by Xavier. I haven't Dolan. seen it. Uh, I will say uh, Xavier Dolan, from what I understand, is very hit or miss. Dolan. <laughs> I have a lot of Quebecois friends, uh, and some of them have worked with them, so they've corrected me on it a lot. That's the only reason why. Wow. <laughs> uh, but like, for example, like I've heard some people argue Tom at the Farm is a great queer film. I heard other people argue it's a terrible queer film. 
the one uniting one seems to be Mommy, which is ironically one of his few non-queer films. <laughs> People like uh, that one the best of his? Yeah, I really enjoy that one. It, it's interesting because most of the film is done in a one-by-one uh, one aspect ratio. Oh, perfect for is, Instagram. <laughs> or TikTok. But when it comes to Lawrence anyway... TikTok's 9 by 16 Hubert. <laughs> shows you what I know. <laughs> <laughs> I the thing about Lawrence anyways is like it's very from what I understand it, it's imperfect in a lot of ways but it's also not as offensive as a lot of other like 2000s trans pieces from what I've heard like it's not as much like Dallas Buyers Club or Danish Girl or mm. God forbid Girl um, I've never even heard of that one Girl is it's interesting because it's basically just it is. It got a lot of press at Cannes. I believe it might have won the Queer Palm, but it is basically just a trans story about like a trans girl's life going to misery, made in twenty like seventeen, twenty eighteen. So way past mm. when that was popular, and yeah. made by a cis director starring a cis guy as the trans girl. Shout in, out again, that makes me twenty tens. <laughs> that makes me want to shout out Tangerine because I thought that that was nice. I love me some you don't like tangerine people. mark no what's wrong with tangerine um i had a very uncomfortable experience uh watching it at the cinema um at a kind of like early screening where the director whose name is escaping me zach something sean uh sean baker sean baker not even close um <laughs> sean is basically like zach it's uh, it's like a sharp S. Afterwards. So I, I was really liking the film um, for the first half. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is really interestingly done in this iPhone. And this is, you know, it's funny and all these things. And then I started to realize like, oh, the humor. And so I, I, everyone in the theater is just dying laughing. This is in New York at Lincoln Center, dying laughing. And I went, oh, wait, they're laughing they're totally laughing at these characters. They're laughing at oh, how, really? how how low class and how they're 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 how they're drug addicted and they're trashy and they're huh. kind of a mess and they're kind of like getting into little cat fights and they're they're actually loving like the wigs being pulled off and all like they're loving the actually aspects of it that are subtly exploitation aspect aspects. And so I started to really turn on the film midway through because um, hmm. I started to realize that it's actually not. Um, yet and yet it's a celebrated film and and there's a lot of i mean that wasn't that wasn't my experience when i watched it i i mean i watched it in la and it seemed like it seemed like the audience was pretty deeply on their side like at least i was maybe i'm naive but like i was rooting for them and their friendship the whole time i I guess like i guess i i'm sorry no no go ahead I was, I was just going to say, like, I, I guess my experience was a different in a way, in the sense that I watched it alone in my room. So I was able to, like, there was no influence from, like, the idea of how does cis people think about this. And I can see how that could definitely influence it, because I definitely had that happen before, where I'm just sort of in a place and I'm just seeing the reaction of people and I'm going like, they're not taking the right thing from this. Right. And as a result, that's clearly a sign that there's something... You know, it's it's sort of something where, like, even if I might have enjoyed it separately, in that moment, I realize a fatal flaw from that moment. And I think that's something where I will 
I haven't seen it in a while, so I'd probably consider it. Even then, even when I enjoyed it, I did think there were a couple of moments where I was like, a couple of jokes where I was like, I don't think that a cishet director is allowed to make that joke. Mm. Like, there's that joke where he runs into a, like, non-trans sex worker and he berates her for not being trans. And the whole joke is, ha ha, that's unexpected. Like... I kind of was like, I don't feel comfortable with that kind of joke in this movie. And I say this as someone who enjoys a lot of John Baker's styles. I thought Florida Project was beautiful, but yeah, I, like I, Project more. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, the, the, I, I do like the fact that it does start to trans women and they really, they were, instead of just abandoning them when the film came out, like they were, they were going on press tours and they got a lot more attention and I really appreciated that they weren't just left by the wayside because that would happen so often with other films. And I appreciated that, that at least. But I do think it was a flawed version of it. But I am happy that, it, again, like it's a film about trans women starring trans women in the way. In the same Maybe way that I, I was really see happy again, seeing a fantastic yeah. woman. And yeah, I gotta seeing, see that yeah. stuff. Which I also Maybe don't I need a fantastic see... movie. So I don't you know. Don't yeah, think I, it I is, love it. You? I think Sebastian Lelio. No. I don't. Jeez, um, gee whiz. Well, you didn't like P- Portrait of Lady on Fire, so maybe. maybe just, <laughs> don't trust it's okay for us anything. To, yeah, it's okay for Did us to think? disagree. Although you showed me the OG Wicker Man in the best possible setting at Wayward Cinema, so I am forever in your debt, Mark. <laughs> uh, did you have something you want to say, Emily? Sorry. I guess I was going to say, like, I think the thing about, uh, like, if I have to go in, is, like, at least, like, if. I, I think the thing about that movie is if you can, I think for the most part, the most people I've seen critique the movie, the one thing I think is a positive about it is the people I've seen critiquing it do it less so from a perspective of trans representation than from the idea of it being a movie by itself. And there's something about that that makes me feel good because every other movie before would have to be torn down for how they were demonizing a person like me. And for once, people are kind of like, okay, it's an imperfect thing, but it's mostly a good portrayal, but I don't like the movie. Right. And in a I way, mean, I that's, was like, that's I'm true happy equality, that that right? can happen. <laughs> it's like yeah, I was when, like, at least there's a movie are... out now where I, even if you don't like it, you can say, eh, it wasn't harmful. <laughs> right. Like, we should be able to have just mediocre films that have good normal <laughs> representation, right? Like, then, then we've arrived. Um, what do you all, I'd, I'd love to get your your take because I feel like just so many straight people take so many of these roles like moving forward I hate it <laughs> yeah like it is it it should it never happen should it happen sometimes like when when is it okay for a straight person to take like a, a trans role or a, or a role for a gay gay character? I think it's more of a problem when it's a trans character, in my opinion, because when you see a cis man portraying a trans woman, you inherently associate it with the idea of otherness, the idea of it being like a male character. That's what I think most people see, and they look at it in the sense of like, they they don't look at it in the sense of like, this is a woman standing there who used to be seen as a man it was only right. this is a man playing dress up that was right. also one of the big props i had with a red Maine's performance in mm. um danish girl was there was a lot of stuff that felt like it was just like this is a role this is me performing something and it felt like it was very 
tacked on instead of just feeling natural to a character who clearly like was based on a real person like Lily mm-hmm. Elba is a real person and you read like her journals and stuff and she describes it as like like she felt more comfortable and more natural in the role and instead of that you just see it as this compulsion to perform mm-hmm. and that and I think that's part of it is the fact that like it wasn't just the writing of it though I think the writing was very flawed I think it's also the fact that it's Eddie Redmayne in the role and yeah. not a trans woman. I think the more you see someone like Eddie Redmayne or Jared Leto or what, <laughs> or Hillary Swank or anyone who's not trans playing a character who identifies as the opposite gender of mm-hmm. the performer, you're going to see a lot of people associate that with the idea of the performer's gender rather than the character's gender. And I think that's kind of a problem. I don't think, like, it's impossible, but I think that right now in our society, like, it's going to have that effect. And it's also taking away from a lot of trans performers who are great in the roles. And whenever you see a trans performer take advantage of a role, Mm -hmm. they always do a much better job. Well, that's the thing is, like, we we live in a time and a place where, like, you could find, if you... If you tried, you could find an actor that matches the character that you're, you know, trying to portray yeah. pretty much all the time. And, like, I, it just, the problem is they don't try, it seems like, most yeah, of the time. they just give it to the, holly, the top, like, the top right. actors, And, I mean, like, you know? at least Eddie, Eddie Redmayne, like, said, <laughs> well, at least Eddie Redmayne was like, yeah, I regret, regret, regret doing that or whatever. But, like, and then he seems like a nice Rowling. guy. But, like... Well, d- yeah, I guess he did do that too. But like, yeah, it's just like I don't know. People got to do the work to actually cast people. I, I mean, like, say, I did find out acting, that he like, did you don't have to be a doctor. Ask but... Lana Wachowski before taking the role because he was on the set of Jupiter Ascending when he he said, accepted the role. Oh, okay. But like, it's clear he didn't get enough good notes because it does not show. <laughs> and uh... yeah, I just. It's weird to me because I, being a trans person in trans circles, like every trans person I know is a creative in some sense. I don't know how it's hard to find a trans person willing to do a performance. Like that's it's not what I, that's my all. question all the time. It's like it doesn't seem like it'd be hard. If, like you're saying, I let to just do the work. Well, it's like, funny. It was more. funny. I had a, I had an opposite of this moment when I started Sense Eight, because I was like shocked that they didn't find a trans actor to play the trans woman in that and then i looked her up and i was like oh she is trans they did it like they did it i'm just so used to them doing it wrong that i always assume that everyone's doing it wrong and i'm just like oh jamie is amazing (laughs) the funny thing about sensei is i realized this uh in the matrix video as a part of uh this was mentioned in the video was that apparently the wachowskis would or Wachowski's, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but Wachowski's we know who would you're bring talking up, about. like, the idea of putting trans characters in the stuff as early as, like, the Matrix and stuff. I mean, to me, like, Switch was down. meant to be. Yeah, Switch, Switch was, was meant, meant to, to I to believe be Speed opposite. Racer was going to have a trans character, and they shut it down. There was no yeah. specifics about it, but the idea was, I don't remember his name, but the Babylon 5 writer who co-wrote Sensei was like, this character, she's a hacker, she's like trans like she's the idea of like transforming and all this stuff like it fits with the idea if she's trans and lana jumped out of her seat and yelled it wasn't me this time he did it he gets all the blame for this do not say it's always me that's funny 
Oh, I love the the uh, what's her girlfriend's name? Aminala. It's fun to see oh, a lesbian so trans relationship just kind of happen to. Hey, I yes, like Mark. It. Um, Lava Neno make it onto the list anywhere? Did anyone mention it in any of their um, comments? Nobody mentioned it, but I want to see it. Oh, it is probably my favorite. Uh, I don't know. It's a mini series, but it's probably yeah my the HBO one, right? Yes, HBO Max. Yeah, yeah. My favorite thing about probably yeah about a trans woman. Um, yeah, I need to see it. It's, it's it was so yeah. It was like discussed a little bit in I feel like mostly gay circles um, when it when it was released uh, in twenty twenty. But Jesus, this this miniseries is so amazing. And and uh, little fun thing too is that um, now they're doing Drag Race Spain, and they did the second. episode episode is uh, all the runway looks are inspired by Lavaneno and oh, her fun. best friend Paka who is in the the mini series as well and was her best friend in real life is one of the judges on the uh, uh for the runway looks so I really an that. icon in Spain is still very much kind of like echoing into the present um and uh and probably yeah wait blows any of the things that we've just talked about out of the out of the park in terms of oh, wow. female representation awesome yeah, I need to see that. My cousin was telling me about it and how much yeah. he liked it. It's genius. Um, I'll, I'll put it on the list. Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm gonna have to skip some people's comments. I'm sorry, but thank you for writing in. Todd Kramer brings up um, "Still Black," a por- portrait of black trans men. Um, you don't know what that is. Well, I can tell you, it's nothing special in terms of how it was filmed, but the stories of these men who are part of multiple marginalized groups talking about their experiences is nothing short of astounding entry in queer cinema. I wanted to mention it specifically because of how underseen it is. Extremely grateful of, for having seen it. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. Sounds good. Um, Cesar Villa brings up Three Generations, Pride, The New Girlfriend, Brokeback Mountain, uh, and Black Mirror's San Junipero. Ah, so good. I love San Junipero. I have a poster of it in my living room. More Black Mirror, please. San Junipero was the first, like, I say this all the time, but I, I wept. Yeah, wept. I loved it. It's the nexus of, like, everything oh. I want. I want a beautiful gay relationship, <laughs> and I want to be uploaded into a computer <laughs> to live forever. Like, it's all I've ever wanted. Oh, Is I it too heard, much to ask? I haven't heard a Home Catch Fire update in a minute. I completely forgot it existed. Ugh! Okay. It's too sad! We're circling back, We're circling back uh, next, next episode. <laughs> All right. I'm in season two or three. Nice. Uh, we'll like talk about it later. I can't... And I fell off. And was I like hearing it's so better as it goes on. Yeah, I like... What, Mark? And was Pride the one that was on the list? Is that the British one about the minors and the age? Yes. Or active activists? I love that film. I think it's a little bit um, trite in moments, but I think it's a beautiful film about... That's what Cesar says, underdogs, too. That it, right? Underdogs. That it does, it's yeah. not perfect, but it, it tries. Oh, yeah. and, and you have... And, and the soundtrack is incredible, too. But you have these underdogs, you know, these queer activists um, fighting for their lives, essentially, and these laborers who who are in some ways pitted against each other and 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 find a way to kind of forge an alliance um, to work, to move it, to push against the kind of Thatcher regime. And I think what mm. an incredible, you know, political economic statement that a, that, that film made. I love it. Sick. That's yeah, I haven't sweet. seen it. I've seen the poster for it. Fantastic, <laughs> yeah. But it's trite, um, it's, it's cheesy. 
It's got cheesy moments. Sure. Sometimes, you know, that's okay. Sometimes hey, it's a Like I was saying about, about that Kristen Stewart Hulu movie, you know, it wasn't great, but hell, I was happy to watch it, you know? Different uh, level, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's cheesy and then there's cheesy. Listen, yeah. I would have sandwiched me without straight. cheese, you know? <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant, so bad or good. Um, Colt Smith uh, says they're so happy for me. Thanks, haha. But um, oh. <laughs> a lot of people said that. I've been cutting it out because it seems self-serving at this point. But thank you, everyone. Wow, um, talk about yourself more. I know. I did for four hours <laughs> recently in 85 degrees in my studio. Um, but uh, Colt brings up The Matrix, Brokeback Mountain, The Hunger, The Vampire Lovers. Oh, yes. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Lost Boys, An Interview with the Vampire. What's The Hunger? Is that the one with... Um, Catherine What's Deneuve and Susan Sarandon and David Bowie. Um, oh, okay. Just lesbian, chic, erotic, like, yeah, vampire movie. It's really sexy. It's 80s. It's very 80s. And, um, yeah, I love, a le- I love a lesbian vampire movie. Oh, it's a Tony like, Scott movie, too. Damn. Tony Scott, yeah. Mm-hmm. David um, Bowie had a lot of great movies in the 80s, and a lot of them had queer themes in them, too. Like, I'm a big fan of Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, as well. That's but a- the best lesbian vampire movie is is that is the um uh, daughters of darkness daughters of darkness so that's gonna throw that one out there daughters of darkness i also like um, the nightmare on elm street 2 shout out that was yeah that, that's great that very gay leading film they claim <laughs> i don't I remember seeing it i probably have um it's a very chop, chop, chop. weird movie to mention but i love it whenever it is <laughs> Yeah, Katie Garza brings up a bunch of that have already been brought up, but they're the first to mention the favorite. Ooh, I love the favorite. Mark hated it probably. <laughs> I I I enjoyed the favorite, but I will actually be the person to say that is my least of the three Yorgos Lanthimos films I've seen. It's actually my least favorite because I prefer the Lobster and Killing yeah, the Sacred Deer. I prefer mm. the Lobster too. I don't prefer, I don't care for the the, the deer. Lobster. Yeah. I didn't like that one. <laughs> I thought the lobster was. I really liked it, but vibing with the Yorgos Lanthimos movie, it's a very <laughs> weird vibe to get into, especially the lobster. I love the. He did Dog Tooth also. But the favorite it's a very interesting movie oh, to watch. No, Dog like, is great. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you you go, Mark. No, no, no. I I think Dog Tooth. Please say stuff about Dog Tooth because I think it's fascinating. Dog Tooth was cute. Yield to you. End of statement. Okay, all right, fine. Um, the uh, the favorite is to me not really. I can see how one could think of it in queer terms or think of it as as having lesbian aspects to it, but they're pretty overt. I mean, they're pretty overt, but it's like the queerness is a it's, metaphor. In it's, a way. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. it's not really it's about not, that. Yeah. No, it's 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 you. It's it's uh, it's. Look, I love perversion, and I think that it's it's just like it's adding to the kind of perversion of the scenario there of the pa- of the kind of power. Put that on the box. You know, yeah, power <laughs> the play favorite. I love perversion. I love perversion, and so I'm I'm down with it. But I I I have a hard time thinking about it. I think it's about yeah. I think it's about perversion more than it's about lesbian desire. I don't think that there's a desire there. I think it's all it's all um, instrumental. It's all um, yeah. So I, I I and I think that. The actresses are so fucking straight. Um, there's no way around it. <laughs> yeah, that that was themselves into a lesbian role. I'm like, and that, I wouldn't say about all straight actresses, but I think those ones for sure. So I'm just like not, I'm not going there queer wise. I kind of agree. Like, I liked the, I I liked how like 
queer it seemed, but you saying that, I'm like, yeah, none of them really seemed very gay in their portrayals. I love can Rachel see Weiss, Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weiss having a bit of chemistry in that queer way, but everything else was more of a power play. That is I think like, that's just because I'm in love with both of them. That, is, <laughs> that They could do no wrong. Um, Olivia Coleman, I'm glad that she won an Oscar for that. Even, oh, even for if sure. she wasn't my favorite performance of the year, precisely, like I'm like, well, she earned it still. Like I'm like, I'm not going to take that away from her. Like, no, she earned an Oscar. She had an amazing performance. I... And she's an awesome woman. Like, I'm not going to be mad about that. Yeah, totally. totally. Um, Katie also brought up Booksmart, which I really liked. Um, I just thought I it was such a nice it. little movie. Oh, it's a, such a cute movie. I was going to go see it in theaters, and then, like, a weird mess of stuff happened, and I just wasn't able to. But I, I've not only heard it's a great movie, but I also heard it has, like, an amazing selection of, like, soundtracks to base around to theme the film. And, like, that's always interesting to me because I think a lot of... When you're making a teen movie like that, you need that. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that they just weren't... That Olivia Wilde and the music, whoever the music supervisor was, weren't just, like, here's generic pop music. And you're like, no, let's fit the theme and the weirdness of the movie in this yeah. moment. That's what I've heard, at least, about it. I, again, I haven't seen it. It's kind of like Lady Bird. It has a similar... Where it, like... Because mm. Lady Bird graduated high school the same year I did. And, like... Obviously, I was living out some kind of girlhood I'll never have through that movie, too. But, like, oh, it just felt that. like that period of time. So well. That was also anyway. me with Little Women. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same Z's. Um, I walked out of Little Women being like, I want to fall in love and write a book. <laughs> you could do both of those things. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, I'll skip the important question. Blah, blah, blah. I'll uh, just shout out to some favorite um, people, I asked what who like some favorite voices and, and creators that people like. Tokyo Slim and a bunch of other people brought up John Waters, obviously. Lily brought up Lingua Franca, or no, uh, Isabel Sandoval. Isabel Sandoval. Yeah. Awesome. We're, she's mutuals with me on Twitter, and I love her so oh. much, and she's super cool. And I haven't talked to her that much, but like whenever the fact that I, she even knows who I am, I'm just like, you're one of the like best rising voices in movies right now. I'm honored. And again, I gotta like, watch that. Lingua Franca? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Movie? Gotta it's watch on Netflix, it, yeah. and the rest of her movies are on um, are on Criterion Channel, except for mm. the one she, the short film she just did for movie. Okay. Um, Happy Gaming shouted out Neil Patrick Harris. Laith. Cool name, by the way. Laith. Russell T. Davies, um, who did the original Bre- British Queer as Folk, and a few other things. Um, Would You Kindly has a whole bunch. Michaela Cole, Almodovar, John Waters, Lana and Lily Wachowski or Wachowski, Xavier Delanar, Dolan or whatever, <laughs> Ian McKellen, <laughs> Jodie Foster, Anoni, Arca, Svedaliza. Is Svedaliza queer? I was always wondering if she was. They were. Um, I'm always surprised. I didn't know that Luca Guadagnino was queer until I made that oh, really? video with that. I was just like, oh. Oh my god, it explains the new Suspiria so much. I love that. I loved Suspiria. <laughs> I love it too, but it is also now... It has some problems. Like, oh, it's so queer now that I'm looking back at it. Yeah. I'm like, There's no it reason you cast Tilda Swinton three times like that if you're not queer. And I'm like, <laughs> I respect that so much because, again, I would do that too, as I said. <laughs> Plus, J- Dakota Johnson is just so so ethereal in, in that. 
I love um, it. I actually kind of prefer it to the original. Uh, I know that's heresy. But I like I, them. No, I like them both for very different reasons. He, yeah. The original is like. I like the both the new awesome one a bit more just and because garbage. It's more artsy, and I'm the more artsy person in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, ooh, this is the one with all the symbolism. I like symbolism. Me, art student. Me, like. <laughs> well, the old the OG one is like pure giallo. Like oh yeah, I just love like Argentos. if you like if you like red and blue and green colored light gels then you're mm-hmm. you're in hog heaven so many gels <laughs> and i mean just god almighty that soundtrack is just both to both movies but goblin goblin and tom to york wow <laughs> what a combo Ooh, i wonder if anyone's like mashed up their two uh the soundtracks that like done a that remix with like, like an amazing idea that'd be pretty fun uh anyway um blah 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 we're running long here so i'll just say um down to the last thing i just asked if if there was anything else that people would like us to discuss and Leith had one that i thought was interesting that um with countries like china and russia being important to film profits do you think that this will prevent major franchises like the mcu or star wars from having queer stories at their center i.e will mainstream films be limited to small things that they can cut out for those markets like that three second lesbian kiss at the end of that shitty rise of i was gonna say we're already seeing it uh, shout out to the to the hyped up gay ca- first gay character in the MCU, which was just one of the Russo brothers. He's referencing a husband that they cut out of the cut of the Russian cut. Well, Disney's had like I think like like legitimately like five or six first gay characters now. Yeah, like they it keep was live it. action Beauty and the Beast. It was mm-hmm. in uh, the Eternals. It was in you know Avengers. It was in this. It was in that. And it's just like which is it? <laughs> Because none of them are substantial, so none of them really count. I mean, with Rise of Skywalker, um, not only was it just in the background, but also it was in Rise of Skywalker, and that's punishment. Yeah, enough. right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I think the answer is, yeah, probably not. <laughs> like, they, these bitches love to make confidence. money. <laughs> so, like, they ain't going to do it. Although, allegedly, one of the characters in The Eternals is gay, but... I guarantee that any queer-coded language or touching can be easily edited out for mm-hmm. foreign markets. Exactly, yeah. I like, like to hope because it's Chloe Zhao, but also I've seen a lot. I I, I, I have... Disney's such a mega corporation, has such a control over its image that I rarely, like, trust, mm-hmm. like, uh, a singular vision to make it through because they're so connected on the idea of this is our brand you cannot mess with it and yeah. that worries me a lot when it comes to, to the idea of an eternals queer character because i'm just sort of like even if chloe Zhao want wants it desperately i'm not sure if they'll let her right um britney fuller shouted out sailor moon which is super queer and but in america apparently they kept censoring it out oh. by like making apparently there was a a lesbian couple as part of the third season but they made them cousins in english and like all kinds of stuff that they just kept changing for the american release so that it wasn't (laughs) which is like yeah par for the course um there's a decent amount of that stuff like i i believe it was like a translation thing but i know that a lot of people argue that like they kind of whitewashed the queer romance in Evangelion with the new subtitles and the new oh. dub because mm. it's less explicit about the uh, 
Shinji, and I forget the other character's name, but the uh, the white-haired boy that he sort of... It's very clearly... There's a very clear queer communi- queer chemistry there, and they change it to, like, you're my best friend instead of I love you in a way. Mm. Where it's like... So I said also... Yeah, that's sort of a Japanese thing where it's like th- those words kind of mean the same thing. And it depends on the intonation hmm. in a way from what I've understood. So it's like, is it a mistranslation or is it the correct one? We don't know. But we know which but, one we want. <laughs> yeah, I I want to see my depression robot show contain gays god damn it <laughs> we need a gay depressed robot show for sure um would you kindly and noah both sort of asked about queer coding and like films mainstream films that are accidentally or secretly queer um brought up interview with the vampire roger rabbit wizard of oz lost boys batman and robin top gun 300 uh lord of the rings um, I mean, Frodo and Sam the Matrix are trilogy that's been definitely confirmed already. Love. Oh, the Matrix trilogy, yeah, is confirmed now. But uh, yeah, I mean, queer coding is such a huge. It's in everything. <laughs> it's all over the place, and it's both so hard to good tell. And bad. Both good and bad. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of a lot of creators throughout history have been unable to express themselves openly, so they use coded language to show it covertly. And but there's then also the queer other companies, villain. right? Other company, yeah, and other companies like use queer coding in trailers to get the LGBT community to go watch their movie, and then it's just not in it. <laughs> so it's, it happens on both oh, ends. Queer of the baiting. Oh god, I yeah. <laughs> but I love queer baiting. <laughs> well, speaking of MCU, what? Uh, You're not going to let me end the episode on a masturbation <laughs> joke, Hubert? <laughs> No, speak of the MCU, no, please go. No, and no, that was it. I said the I, joke. I, I botched the masturbation joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad joke. This is unforgivable. <laughs> Look at Mark's face. Teacher <laughs> Professor Mark is very disappointed in all of us. Not at all. <laughs> what are we gonna say, Hubert? Oh, move on, move on. No. I, Moving on is the I, end of the episode. Say your shit. I ship Sam and Bucky. Does anybody sure, else yeah. like that? Sure. I want them I also, to... I'm Bucky and... Uh, oh, God. Oh, I'm forgetting Sam's Captain sister? America's name. I'm oh. forgetting Captain America. <laughs> well, new Captain Steve, America. Yeah, Bu- Becky and Steve. Like, for the longest time, Bucky had Steve... so much queer chemistry in, like, mm. yeah. in, in First Avenger and Winter Soldier. And I'm just sort of like, I know they're never going to do it. And it makes the movies objectively worse because it would be so much better with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just making them character gay makes your movie better, just automatically. <laughs> <laughs> um, just but, right uh, out of the gate, 10 yeah. out of 10 from the get go. It can only, it, it only goes down the yeah. less queer people in the movie. <laughs> uh, Mark, That's any why final thoughts? On fire is great. There's, all, there's, there's <laughs> only, two only characters women. And there's two, two of them are gay. <laughs> They 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 succeeded where Silent Hill failed in having a pretty much all female cast. They the the cowardly studio wouldn't let them do it. Also, the Silent Hill film was bad. Mark, any final thoughts before we? Go? On, on what? I don't fucking know. On queer coding. I like how, <laughs> I like how I'm, I'm the college student here, and yet you're the one to make the most immature joke on the. Like, <laughs> 
That's what I'm here for, you know? I just gotta keep it lowbrow. Um, but yes, Bonfire thank takes you. The heat off me. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you to Huber, and thank you, Mark, and thank you, Emily, so much. Yeah, thank thank you, you to everyone who wrote in. Yeah. There are so many more comments. They're really good. The comments were all really great. I'm sorry we didn't have enough time to get to all of them, but if you want to read them, uh, join the $7 or up tiers on our Patreon, and you will be part of the Film and Soundtrack Club, uh, which gets you access to early access to this show. You get to comment on this show, uh, and you get to, to be in uh, Bloodworth's very cool, mysterious soundtrack club Ooh. thing. Um, I think that's the only way to get that show. It's our only one that's like paywalled like that. But um, we do Bloodworth also on premium. our Patreon... I know, Bloodworth, the Blood Jeez. Premium, dude, he loves it. Um, but our highest tier on Patreon is the shout-out tier, and so we have some people to shout out. Got a full house here. Uh, we've got Elthanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Edsgar, So I'm a Spider, So What, Eds... Eds... Oh, oh I fuck this up every time. Edsdocal. Sorry, Edsdocal. Nick, Blue, and Jesse Blue. Shout-out. Shout out. Um, but yes, thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. This oh, was magnificent. This was super fun. Yes, thank you. Um, I yeah, enjoy so... hearing you all speak. What do you mean you all? Shit up again. I can do that. Um, what do you mean by you people? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean you people? Oh my god. I mean, I, we need we need Portia the Lady on Fire like grudge match. <laughs> That's what we need. Just, just Mark and I just, just like watching just it next to each other, and I'm like, but just look at the tenderness. People yeah. yelling at each other. Look at how much they care about each other, but they're afraid to move. Yo, the YouTube video, the truth, the the truth about Lady <laughs> Portrait of Lady on Fire. My honest opinion yeah. about yep. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. This is the Death Fire. Battle episode hey, here, I've been waiting here's for. Here's the thing: Did Portrait of a Lady on Fire get like YouTube videos of lesbians watching? Portrait of a Lady on Fire, like it did with Blue is the Color, because those are fucking entertaining. I'm just I need saying, to watch that. I need I'm to watch those reactions. One warrants a more fun like reception, fun parody. Not everything needs to be fun. The Mark. other one, it's like, it's like so Oh my god. Boring. Oh my god. So boring. Who cares? Listen, I, there is nothing <laughs> better than the, I, I got to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire in my room with a friend just watching it off a laptop, just two trans queer people together. And that's kind of a cool experience. I appreciate that. that. Cool. I, appreciate like that. I like Pope. We weren't going to do that with like... You do. You like Pope. We weren't going like to do Pope. that with like the Fast and Furious series. <laughs> and I like Art House. I like serious stuff, but I really do like stuff that kind of has a... Gets a kind of... Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like tawdry and, and, and salacious. And... Oh, I love... Like, Mark, I love Art I just... I just think there's something unique about a queer experience that you can enjoy with another queer person. And that was a, that was a movie that I was able to have that with. And That's I awesome. love that so much. I love that. I enjoy everything with other queer people as often as I can. <laughs> we are just better. <laughs> well, we make movies better and we make the world better. We do make the world better. Um, thank you, everyone. Hubert, it seemed like you had something to say. I was going to ask you uh, quickly if, if Mark has despise or not despise it's too strong a word have you not liked a movie like Portia Lady on Fire and then rewatched it later on and changed your mind 
Yes, I've watched many films I didn't care for the first time and rewatched and then liked it or even loved it. Yeah. There it is. There's still hope. Name 12 examples. I I'm interested in rewatching that one, but but maybe down the line. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I love It's okay, Mark. Um, How how can people find you on the internet, Emily? Uh, You can find me. My username and my stuff is Adequate Emily, all one word. Uh, You can find me. That's my YouTube channel. you can subscribe there. That's where I put in most of my effort. Uh, for some reason, I'm more popular on Twitter, even though most of my stuff there is just random shit posts that I posted uh, with very little thought. Uh, Straight uh, from the heart. On- just followed you. <laughs> yeah, when I said I eat up the content slop, yum, yum, I was really coming straight from the heart. <laughs> um, That's good content. I, I, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Adequate Emily, all one word again. Uh, that's where you can find my Patreon as well, uh, patreon.com slash adequateemily. Uh, and yeah, th- I have some stuff on the way for the channel as well. I've been leaving it dormant because my life has been very busy, but I'm I'm very happy to return because it's the, it's the thing I I do that excites me the most right now. I love creating stuff and I'm very excited love that. about it. Love that. Well, thank you so much. Mark, how can people reach you on the intro nets? Wayward Cinema LA um, on Instagram and Facebook. That's that's the program. That's the series, um, and that's it's fantastic. Yeah. So if you're and if you're in LA, please come by, and we we have um, we actually have a queer shorts uh, program coming up June twenty fourth. Um, yeah. And then I don't know what we're doing after that. We just did Looking for Langston and Tongues Untied double feature. Tongues Untied Emily mentioned. Um, very important late eighties black. Cool. Uh, poetic. It's on Criterion Channel too. I believe if anyone's looking for it. Yeah. So, um, and looking for Langston is one that people haven't watched um, that I would recommend. Anyway, so uh, yes, more queer stuff coming up and uh, please follow us on those platforms. Nice. I'm going to try to make that one, but I might be late because we have a podcast that night. I understand. And we're back in the studio. This will be the last reaction shots where it's easy to get guests because we'll be back in the studio. It's going to be hard to get me all the way in Boston. Yeah, right? So, I mean, if we get a guest that isn't local, maybe I'll just do it on Zoom again. And you'll have to deal with it, viewers at home. Um, The Zoom calls are going to be nostalgic in a year, you know? Yeah, yeah, we'll be missing them. Um, All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I think I remembered everything I was supposed to remember. Patreon.com slash Easy Allies. Wayward Cinema. Adequate Emily. Michael P. Huber. On Twitter, I'm at Isla Hink. Bye. Bye. <laughs>